12. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Game over, series over, and the Red Sox are world champs again. And so are these fans. It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions. Boston organization has been well run for a long time now. From the top on down, here comes a 1-2 pitch. Red Sox win the World Series! 5-1 the final tonight! And the best team in baseball wins it all in 2018. The Red Sox have won the World Championship. The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. They win the World Series 4 games to 1. And the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century with four world championships. Can you believe it? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Pesky Podcast. I am the Rit, and with me is Mr. Jamie Gatling. Uh, we're going to be talking about the upcoming Tampa Bay Rays series against the Red Sox. Uh, Jamie, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yes, I'm a producer for Fox Station in Tampa, um, doing stuff for the web and then covering the Rays. And I also do stuff for Beyond the Monster, um, writing articles and helping out with the podcast that we have um, on there. Yeah, thanks. So, man, Tampa Bay is starting really hot. Oh, man. Sit there and no one really, uh, no one really thought about that at all. You know, especially that they're in uncharted territories. You know, uh, after the win yesterday, uh, the Red Sox, they're pretty much where uh, everybody would thought they would be at. But, man, that, that Pittsburgh Pirates series really took a toll on on us, you know, getting swept by them. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's dive right in. Monday, we have a matchup. We got Nick Pavetta going against Fleming. Uh, tell, us, tell us about a little bit about uh, Fleming and yeah, I feel like out of all the Tampa starters, he's probably the one that the Sox have the most success against. Um, he split some time last year between the bullpen and the rotation, and this year they've used him out of the rotation so far. Uh, he's probably the only starter who I'd say struggled for the Rays at this point um, through the rotation. Um, so that's kind of one matchup that the Red Sox, I feel like, can take advantage when you look up look at the rest of the matchups for the series. Yeah, uh, Pavetta, Pavetta looked really good his first his first outing. He, he had six Ks. He left with a one point eight ERA, uh, but he, he just couldn't couldn't get the the victory there. So I do believe uh, this will be the possibly the only win we get this in the series. Uh, I would love to split it because it it's a it's an odd series. It's a four game series, so. I would love to split. A split, and to me, would be a positive. But given the Rays, their first loss would also be something really good. So uh, Tuesday, you guys are sending McClanahan out there, and he is—he's your ace right now. Uh, we ours is uh, to be determined. 
I do think that this is the day they call up Whitlock back. I think Whitlock will get that start, uh, which from what he did is doing down in Triple A, I this could be a really good pitching matchup. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think this one's gonna be fun to watch. I mean, McClanahan has nasty breaking stuff um, to back it up with his fastball. He kind of has that bulldog mentality on the mound. Um, and I think it's good. This series, I feel like it's a good test for the Sox pitching-wise. Um, they're not going to face much better pitching than the Rays, um, especially with McClanahan. And it's a good test for Whitlock, too, in his first start of the season. Yeah. Uh, and McClanahan, he, he's just been mowing through lineups. He has 12 Ks already on the year, a 1.5 ERA. Uh, and, and he's – He's your ace, and it looks like it doesn't matter what happens in the in any offseason. You guys lose players. You guys always have that next man up, and, man, you guys lost Snell. You guys, you know, you lost pieces, but you have those pe- people ready to step up, step in, and they're, you know, fantastic for Tampa. Yeah, I mean, they're really good at identifying pitching talent, um, especially guy no type of later, but like Jeffrey Springs, for example, who has just mm-hmm. turned his career around. Um, he's been just filthy to his first two starts. Um, and then you, they identify guys like Eflin. It's kind of amazing how they always can either develop pitching or go out there in the free agent market and find someone that will fit their system and that they can mold to get the best out of their abilities. Yeah, it, they're – Tampa's pitching is amazing. The staff they have is amazing. That like they would take like for Wednesday starter, they they have Eflin out there. Like he wasn't the best last year. He was good, but now all of a sudden they find the mechanics. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna change your slot a little bit. And this it's crazy, and he goes up against our alleged workhorse, Chris Sale, who has, you know, not been Chris Sale-esque for the past two games. Uh, he's he's had 13 Ks, but he's been rocked both outings pretty good. Uh, yeah. Tell us about Eflin then. Yeah, I mean, he's just – he has a good fastball breaking stuff mix. Um, they gave him the biggest contract in race history in free agency. Um, and through his two starts, he's backed that up. He's kind of added a veteran presence, I feel like, mm-hmm. just because, um, you know, look, the other guys in the rotation are kind of on the younger side, with the exception of, I would say, Springs. Um, but he's kind of added a veteran presence, especially coming from the Phillies, who, you know, almost won the World Series last year. So he brings that deep playoff run that will be, you know, invaluable if the Rays can continue this hot start um, and, you know, look to make a deep playoff run six months from now. Yeah, uh, man, if you think about Tampa in the playoffs, McClanahan, Eflin, and now now the Thursday starter, Springs, man, right now those are three guys that, you know, you don't want to face. You know, Springs, 2-0 and with 19 Ks, a zero ERA. Man, that's just, that's just amazing, you know, what he's been doing down there in Tampa. And – He's going against Kluber, who is supposed to be a veteran presence on our side. He's supposed to be, be able to eat innings, and he hasn't been able to go that deep in either start. You know, he's only got six Ks. He's got a 6.48 ERA. And 
he we need the Red Sox need something from him, you know. And going against Springs, that matchup is probably the biggest one-sided matchup that we have going into this four-game series. Yeah, I mean, for Kluber, that's a start where he's going to have to be, I feel like, near perfect just with how Springs is pitched. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if he can see what he did in his first two starts, these Red Sox aren't going to have, you know, many errors. They're, you know, Springs isn't going to throw them a lot of meatballs like the Tigers pitchers have been doing the past 48 hours. Um, so they're going to need Kluber to go deep, and they're going to need him to, I mean, I feel like, He's going to have to go six innings, give up no more than two runs with how Springs is pitching. You know, that's how good Kluber is going to have to be on Thursday. Yeah, and but if if we get our other three starters, you know, if Whitlock – I see Whitlock going five. You know, if we can get Whitlock going five innings, you know, it's not a lot of bullpen eating innings. If Sale and Pavetta can both, you know, do what they're supposed to – Kluber could, if he gets into trouble early, we could pull him. We got Winkowski uh, that could come in to eat some innings. You know, we got Zach Kelly, and he's doing amazing uh, for us so far. If, if we keep the game close, we could lead into, you know, a Martin in the eighth, a, a Kenley Jansen in the ninth. But like you said, it all depends. This is where Kluber's got to bring all his A game. The pitchers has got to be in the right lo- locations. And the Red Sox defense has got to step it up. Kiki has talked all that talk in the offseason that, oh, I'm an MLB shortstop playing center field. He had two errors yesterday. I think he had an error the day before. Like, these are plays that you can't, like, you can't sit there and not make. You know, simple throws from shortstop to first. Yeah. Like, but I feel like, too, um, you know, when you're facing a team like the Tigers, you can get away, get away with those errors a little bit just because you can get more chances offensively. Uh, but when you're facing a team like the Rays, I feel like that's where, you know, it can really hurt you. I mean, you saw in the Pirates series when McGuire dropped that third strike. Uh-huh. Um, and then I think it was Reynolds or Santana who immediately, you know, deposited two-run homer that if, you know, he caught that third pitch strike, they would have been out of the inning. Um, and the guys have raised like have guys like Franco or Rosarena that if you give them extra outs and extra at bats, it's not going to end well. Oh, exactly. So on the Tampa side, you know this is a different series. We're facing four starters. Uh, what's something that we can sit there and watch when we're watching these Red Sox Tampa series? I think the Tampa hitters, um, I mean, this year so far, Franco Rosarena has done really well, like you would expect. But what stood out to me mostly is the offense they're getting from everyone. You have Jose Siri, who's hurt right now, but he's shown some power. Paredes had a grand slam two days ago. Luke Rally, who was a minor league invite, has three home runs. He's hitting over 300. Um, I mean, one impressive thing about the Rays besides their pitching is that it feels like if you go, you know, number one to number nine in the lineup, Everyone's providing something right now, um, and especially for a team that's been known for its pitching, it's nice to see the offense kind of just on fire and kind of seemingly unstoppable right now. Yeah, and it's it's funny because that's one of our weakest points now, the pitching. So, man, but our bats are, are – I would say there our bats are probably almost as hot as Tampa's right now. So, but we're going against – 
the star caliber pitching with Tampa where you guys are going up against barely above average. Like I think Tanner Houck is our ace so far this year. You know, Pavetta did okay, uh, but we're getting Whitlock back. So, but man, our, our rotation really isn't looking like it should be overall. But the lineup, you know, you guys, you guys have a solid leadoff man. You know, we are platooning back and forth between Verdugo and uh, Rev Snyder. So I'm like, uh, to me, I really wish Kiki's bat would get a little hotter to maybe put him up lead or possibly Tapia up, up there to the leadoff to help out on Verdugo's off days. Because to me, everybody was, was complaining about Verdugo in the leadoff spot. I was one that said, I think, I think he has that leadoff meant, you know, capability. He has that, uh, that attitude. If he gets on base, he's getting the whole team fired up, you know, to, to where other people, when you put him in there, they were more worried about, oh, well, well, Cassis can, can, you know, he takes pitches. Oh, we need speed on there, you know, for the leadoff spot. But Verdugo, I think, is overall the our best option right now at leadoff. But you guys, leadoff guy, you know, tell everybody about a little bit about him. Not like we need don't know who he is right now. Yeah, I mean, he provides a good mix of power and speed. Um, I feel like especially for the Rays, they have having guys like that that can hurt you in multiple ways is key. Um, it just sets the or- part of the order for the rest. It just sets it up for the rest of the order. Um, so, you know, having a guy that sets the offense like that kind of – and one thing I like about Verdugo too is um, I feel like he wears down pitches a little bit and kind of the Rays guy does that as well. Um so it kind of just sets it up for the rest of the order. Yeah. Uh, you guys you guys have a nice little core of veteran players that have been there for quite some time. You know, you got Brendan Lowe. You guys got uh, Yandy Diaz. You know, uh, Margot. Like, you guys got those key guys that have been in Tampa for quite some time. Unlike the Red Sox, who, you know, we've got, I think, our – We've, we've only got a couple people that have been there for a little bit longer than a cup of coffee. So we got we went and got a lot of people on one-year deals. Uh, you guys, though, as soon as someone leaves, like I said earlier, it's that next man up. You know, tell us about some of these upcoming young stars that are on Tampa that are getting ready to come in or that just made uh, the MLB debut this year. Like Taylor Walls is a guy I like a lot. Um, an infielder who kind of is a starter right now. He's kind of getting every couple days. Um, he has good on base skills. He's good defensively. I feel like Franco is a known name, um, but he's kind of been hindered by injuries in the past. And so far this year, Bruce Singer does when he's healthy. He can just be an electric player if he can stay that you know stay on the field for you know one sixty two avoid the IL. Um, I feel like he's gonna have a huge year. Um, you have guys like Siri, uh, who's mostly been known for his defense so far, but he's shown some pop when he's been healthy the first couple weeks. Uh, so there's some guys that, you know, I would, I would keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, you know, on, on our side, everybody's talking about Massa. He had, you know, three walks yesterday, which I don't know what 
the Tigers pitching. But if Massa thinks that – I hope he doesn't think that every major league team is going to pitch to him like that. I think his first three at-bats, he only had one strike thrown to him, you know. But going against Tampa, that is the complete opposite. So hopefully, you know, that hopefully that didn't throw off any timing issues, you know, with him to where you don't get pitched at all to to these guys are coming at you. Like Tampa's Tampa's not going to sit there and try to paint the corners. They're coming at you 100% and they're going to be like here here it is. If you can hit it, you hit it. If not, you know, good luck. So uh, another guy on the Red Sox side is Tristan Casas. He has not, and it's early. Like, I hate reading everything. Oh, man, he's just another Bobby Dahlbeck 2.0. Dude, it's the second week of the season. Yeah. You know, why are we so hard on the, on this this guy so, you know, so early? Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he, he's, he was up for a, a small sample size last year. But Tristan Casas, he will be there when we need him. You know, he just hit his first home run uh, a couple days ago. So it's like, man, just just calm down. Let him do him. Let him get comfortable. And we will sit there and he will be there when we need him. Yeah. I feel like that's the thing, too, about early on. It's easy to get kind of caught caught up in these stats. But like you said, you have to remember we're less than two weeks in, you know, if everything was determined after 10 games, you wouldn't play 162. You wouldn't need to play baseball for six months. Um, you know, guys go through stretches throughout the season, two-week stretches when they look horrible, and they'll go through two-week stretches when they can't get out. Um, he's a young player. He's still learning, you know, how it works in the major league level and just adjusting to how pitchers attack him, especially having some tape from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's so talented that he's going to be fine. And I feel like, you know, a couple months from now, people will look back at the first couple of weeks when they were saying he was another Bobby doll back and kind of laugh at it. Um, you know, this is baseball. This happens throughout a season. Devers, who's scorching out right now, he's going to go through some games and we're going to be like, Raphael, what are you doing? It's just how the sport works. Yeah. Like if you look, if we would just go, okay, two weeks, we're going to hand out the AL and the NL MVPs right now. Pete Alonso would get the NL MVP. You know, I, I personally would think that uh, Duvall and Devers might be fighting for the AL MVP, but we're only two weeks in. Like, we got a long way to go. And like you said, we're going to have the stretches of they're really hot and their stretches are really, they're cold. You know, an- another one of our cold, cold people is Christian Arroyo. Like, he's he's not p- producing at the plate like he should, but it's early. Like, I'd rather get I'd rather get all this stuff out now and then everybody start heating up later, you know, in May, in yeah. June. You know what I mean? And then by September, they're they're in for the clutch. Yeah. So but I think uh, with him too, it's kind of we've seen the past two years. Yeah, he's had a stretch when he's hurt, but mm-hmm. during his Red Sox tenure, when he's been healthy, he's been good. You know, there's enough enough of a sample size there to kind of know that he's going to turn it around. Um, it's not like you know the last two years when he was healthy, he was good. That was a fluke. Yeah, uh, and 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 with Arroyo also, it's like 
he he was a he was a platoon player. Yeah. He wasn't an everyday player. Now his body and he has to get used to playing everyday second base, getting those bats every day, and more eyes are on him now. So when he's when he's doing bad like he is now, they have to look at it and be like, okay, well, let's work on the on on the hitting, you know, mechanics a little bit. Let, let's try to go because he looked really good in spring training, but like everybody says, that sp- spring training doesn't count, you know. Uh, catcher wise for the Red Sox, we 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 have a a split between Reese McGuire and Connor Wong. It's kind of surprised me a little bit. Connor Wong's getting more playing time than Reese McGuire. Everybody went into the season uh, saying that Reese was going to be our starter. Uh, some people were even saying when Wong went down, Alfaro was going to get that backup spot. Uh, let's talk about the catching side for Tampa. you got that amazing pitching staff, but you got to have a good guy behind the plate that can call the, the pitches. So talk talk a little bit about Tampa's uh, catchers. Yeah, see so the Tampa's catchers, they do a lot uh, for this team. They've shown a little bit of pop so far, um, especially. But they're young guys too, Benincourt, um, and Mejia especially. Kind of Mejia used to be a top prospect and came over in the um, Patino deal. Uh, but Benincourt showing a little bit of power. Um, he has worked well with the pitchers. So I think when it comes to Tampa, that's not a position that usually, you know, they had Zanino a lot the last couple of years. Um, he hits for some power, but he hit under 200. And their main thing is handling the pitching staff, and both Ben and Corden Mejia have done very well with that, um, you know, when they've been in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, with Tampa, like you said, it's – it's if, if you can give me 200 average, 210 – but you can handle that pitching staff, and the pitching staff is the main focus. It seems for Tampa's, you know, catching system. So, if you can have a bat, also that's just a big, that's an extra bonus for you. Uh, we on the Red Sox have had catcher preferences for pitchers in the past. Uh, does Tampa have have you sit there and noticed so far that? Uh, the pitchers preference some one catcher over the other and you know well, uh, who are they not really so far um i mean ben and court started four games so it's been a pretty even um playing time to be honest so i feel like they kind of go more with the matchup with whoever's on the on the mound um opposite them uh, but it's been pretty pretty split i mean like ben and court for example is hitting 083 um, sort of, they put him in there. It's not for his offense, um, but I feel like with this series, he should start the first two, um, or they'll at least split, kind of split it with how they've been doing. Because neither, because also between Ben and Corby, he had no one's really um, kind of emerged offensively enough for the Reyes to be like, all right, this is the guy that should be starting, you know, for five out of the seven days of the week. Yeah. Now, next up, we're going to go bullpen. Man, Tampa Tampa has always been known to be able to piece together one of the best bullpens in the majors. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about Tampa's uh, bullpen? 
you know, you can start from the front to the back or back to the front, no matter. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen's been a lot of fun to watch this year. Um, you have Jalen Deeks, the old Red Sox legend. Um, you have Kevin Kelly, who's been pretty good back there. Um, Ryan Thompson kind of always has been a veteran presence the last couple of years, and he's been pretty good to start the season. Um, you also have um, Ponch, who they kind of bring in if to kind of mop up games a little bit, who's kind of who's been impressive. Um, they just have a bunch of guys that can play a variety of roles that can really hurt you. Uh, but Kelly is the one who stood out the most. Um, this is his first his first year in Tampa, and he's been he's been really good. Yeah, I mean his area of three. Um, he has six strikeouts, so he's kind of emerging as a reliable arm um, for the Rays back there. Yeah, uh, the Red Sox they went and restructured their entire bullpen. They went and you know they signed the closer Kenley Jansen. Uh, they went and got their setup guy uh, Martin, and then you know they brought in Zach Kelly. Uh, Ryan Brazier's still there. Caleb Ort, uh, Schreider. It's like we got Winkowski as a long, a long uh, middle reliever. It's like we went and spent all that time. And then as soon as our, you know, we had a, our left-hander go down, then all of a sudden it just went complete chaos. Everybody was like, open the floodgates of, man, our bullpen is horrible. But our bullpen, minus a couple people, like Ryan Brazier yesterday, he kissed it, you know, he came in and I was watching the game. I'm like, dude, you're up 2-0. Repeatedly. Up 2-0. Uh, 0-2, 0-2, 0-2, I mean. He was up 0-2 repeatedly, and he just couldn't finish anybody off. And then he he had a chance to, to get out of the inning and end the game. And Kike sits there and one hops at the first base. Like, man, it's like, I don't understand what goes through Brazier's mind. And it's not a high-pressure situation, but when you're up 0-2, repeatedly i think it was like three or four batters in a row like dude finish you got to finish the job that that's what they're paying you to do and i personally think now after seeing that outing if tuesday comes and they don't dfa him to bring whitlock back like i don't understand why like i don't understand why he's there why he's there then yeah, no, I agree. I mean, before the season started, if you had to ask me between the two of him and Ort, who would get sound, sent down first, I would have said Ort. Uh, but with how Brazier's performed so far this year, especially the last couple of days, I agree that it would be, you know, it'd be flipped and that come Tuesday when they have to make that move. Uh, you know, Brazier is one who I feel like is more kind of on the edge of being the one who gets DFA'd. Yeah, uh, Ort. Ort was there for opening day, and it kind of confused me a little bit where they, they brought him in for one inning. He, he you know, mowed through. I think he went uh, three up, three down, and they brought him back out. Ort's not the type of pitcher, in my opinion, that can go more than one inning. And it showed that because he came in and got rocked then, the, the second inning. Uh, but since then, Ort's been showing, you know, spots of improvement. 
And Brazier, as in my opinion, has been working his way out of a job. So uh, I think when Whitlock comes back, I think that will be the guy that gets DFA'd. Uh, you guys down in Tampa don't have to worry about none of that. Uh, you guys are running on all cylinders, straight ahead, 90 miles an hour. Uh, if we cannot beat your st- your game one matchup pitching, we don't have a shot at, at you at all unless you guys make mistakes and we can get to your bullpen. And even then, your bullpen is doing amazing this year. So uh, let's sit there and talk who you think pitching-wise for Tampa will be your MVP Cy Young winner for this series. I'm going to go with the Springs. Um, I want to say McClanahan because of his stuff, but just the start that Springs has gone out to, he's looked basically untouchable on the mound. I mean, his first start of the season, he didn't allow a hit, and Cash pulled him because of a pitch count after six innings, but the two times he's taken the bump this year, he's just been a strikeout machine and overpowering hitters, and I feel like this will be a good test for him, um, especially because he's faced Detroit, he's faced, you know, Washington, who aren't, you know, those lineups aren't going to overpower you, um, and this Red Sox lineup will be a good test for him, especially for the start he's, the start he's had, to kind of show that this isn't a fluke. Um, as he faces one of the deeper lineups, and I feel like it's going to be a situation that he rises to the challenge. Um, so I go with Springs. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to sit there and go with somebody that you got no one's seen yet uh, this year yet. I'm going to have to go for Tuesday, and it's it's going to be kind of hard, but I'm going for Whitlock, and he's going against the hardest matchup possibly uh, of the Tampa team. So I'm going to say Whitlock just because the Tampa lineup doesn't know really what to expect from him. Like they have tape from previous seasons, but uh, watching him in triple A, this is a different Whitlock, different mentality. He wants that starting role. He thinks he deserves it. Uh, The Red Sox are going to give him that shot. So I'm going to pick out uh, Garrett Whitlock for our Cy Young Award. No, I like that. I, I feel like especially with him, um, you know, if he can be the pitcher he was um, last year, and especially that he showed his rehab stints, he's going to be a huge boost to the rotation, especially because I feel like Cutter Crawford's better in the bullpen. Um, and it just makes the rotation a lot deeper, especially when you guys have guys like Sale and Kluber who have had their injury, you know, issues in the past. Yeah. Uh, let, let's go MVP. Tampa Bay, who are you picking for, for the MVP on, on your side for this series? I'm going with Franco. I mean, he's in the zone right now. Everything he's hitting is seems like a missile. Um, and he's showing why, you know, he was the top prospect in baseball a couple years ago. Um, and as I said earlier, I do really feel like this is going to be a year he kind of breaks out and solidifies himself as one of the top. 15 20 players in the game um and so far that's the guy he's looked like for the first eight games oh man uh it, it's a toss-up over here you know you got devers you got devall either one could easily take the mvp spot but i'm gonna go with verdugo 
I think Verdugo will will have a breakout series against Tampa. He's going to continue to produce. Uh, the only thing that I worry and worry about with him is he needs to be more aware on the base path. You know, he's doing doing better on defense. He's sitting there. He's he's getting those deep counts, uh, batting, but he's got to be a little bit more aware on the base path to where he hasn't had those faulty mistakes. But I'm picking Verdugo to be my MVP. Uh, it's it's pretty much going to be probably Devers or Duvall. But if they can sit there and hold them down, I think Verdugo needs to be that next man up to this, this kind of step up. You know, Justin Turner, he he's right there too. Justin Turner, man, is is one of my one of my big inspirations this season. I've been pushing it. Just throw. He, he just came came back after two weeks, threw some dirt on it, and just kept pushing through. Like there's there's not too many. Everyone's like JD. Uh, they would rather had JD over Justin Turner. JD would would have been out for a month or two, you know, after taking that. Where Justin Turner, he came back after two weeks. So what, what were your thoughts? Did you actually see the Justin Turner incident happen? I did. That was a hard, a hard thing to see. Um, but I, I think just credit to him with how quickly he's come back. I mean, he. One of the reasons I liked that the Sox signed him was because of the presence, um, the veteran presence he has in the locker room, and with how you know stuff unfolded unfolded after the trade deadline last year. Um, I felt like it was definitely key to kind of bring in some new voices. Um, and Turner knows how to win. He's a high-energy guy. Um, and I feel like he's fitting perfectly, and especially with coming back, you know, quickly from that. Um, you know, credit to the Sox medical staff for putting him in the position to come back that quickly. Um, but he's, you know, he's seemed like the same guy. He hasn't seemed scared at the plate if a ball comes close to his face again. Um, and just having that kind of personality that he does is going to be big for this Red Sox team and for young guys like Cassis, um, you know, Yoshida in his first year in the majors as they adjust to, you know, life of being a major league player um, for a full season for the first time in their careers. Ah, exactly. Okay. Let's go with the reverse side. If you had, if you had to pick one person that you would not want to face on this Red Sox lineup being from Tampa, who would it be? That's tough because I want to say Devers, but I would, I would probably go Duvall. Everything he's hitting right now is crushed. I mean, his homer yesterday was a no-doubter. Um, he's been extra, you know, extra base machine. And I think for runs bad in for his first seven Red Sox games, he's, I mean, he's like literally rewriting the record books less than two weeks into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a signing that could not have worked out better for Bloom. Um and he's kind of given them a perfect one-two punch with Devers, so I would not want to face Duvall right now with how locked in he is um, at the plate. Yeah. Uh, going going on your side, history-wise, Brandon Lowe. I, for some reason, he always comes up clutch against the Red Sox. Uh, you know, he, he's he's doing really well already this season. You know, you, you got your Arozarenas. You got your Wander Francos, but 
Brandon Lowe has a lot of experience going up against the Red Sox. So he, he's the guy that I really wouldn't want to face because he's always come up big for him in situations. Yeah, it was good yesterday to see him hit his first homer of the season yesterday to center. Um, yeah. Good to see him kind of have that home run swing again and crush the ball. Yeah. Uh, let's flip, let's flip it around. Who who's the one guy bottom of the ninth, two outs that you want to see in that batter's box from the Red Sox? I'd probably go probably either Kike or Cassis, just because with how cold they are at the plate right now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, when those guys are locked in, they're not players you want to face. But right now, they're still figuring it out. Um, so I feel like those are two guys that might be pressing a little bit or you could kind of use their struggles to this point. Um, you know, if you're one of the raised relievers to your advantage. Yeah. Uh, personally, bottom of the ninth, two outs. I'm going to sit there and want uh, Manuel Margot up. He's really cold this season so far. He, he hasn't really, you know, produced as much as, as the other Tampa guys. Uh, I could have went catcher, you know, because that would have been an easy choice. But uh, I hate I hate going for the easy opt outs. Uh, I, I'd rather you know go with Manuel on that one. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, upcoming prospects because you know you guys, if there's injuries coming coming for the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, you guys always seem to be able to to just punch people right in. So what what are some uh, top prospects that you guys have uh, coming from the Tampa organization that we could see later this year playing uh, Tampa? Yeah, one guy is Kirsten Mead, um, or Curtis Mead, who's kind of second baseman, third baseman. He's in Durham right now. Um, he could be an option if injuries kind of arise in the infield. You have Taj Bradley, who's um, you know a pitcher in Durham as well. And with how Tampa likes around their depth pitching wise, he's definitely a guy who could see some action at some point. Um, so kind of those would probably be the two guys that stand out the most to me. Um, and also um Osvelis, um Bazabe, who's an outfielder. Um, and if you know Randy or any of those guys go down, he could be one of the first prospects that the Rays call upon to fill the hole. Uh, who are, who is the Rays' number one prospect right now? Right now it would be uh, Bradley. Okay, so uh, I, I know the Red Sox got a couple of good uh, guys ready to come up. Brian Mata is, is one who was fighting for a uh, roster spot. Uh, he got sent down. Uh, Sedane Rafaela, he's definitely part of the future. Uh, Marcelo Meyer is going to be another guy. But what are your thoughts on, on like for trades? like trading for these young uh, upcoming prospects that you, you really don't have the guarantee of a MLB, you know, seasoned person. Uh, so what are your thoughts on, on trading for top prospects with no true, you know, worth? Yeah. I feel like that always has a little bit of risk involved just because as good as they are in the minors, you can never project what happens once you reach the major league level, whether it's injuries or, you know, how veterans adjust to their game and then how, in turn, you know, they improve theirs or if they're able to even make those adjustments. 
guys like Raphael, though, um, you know, he's a guy that I would trade for regardless just because of what he can do defensively and offensively. Um, and I feel like regardless, you know, he's going to be at the very least an average player in the majors. Um, you know, I feel like there's some guys you can look at that you can kind of project out that even that worst case scenario, they're going to make somewhat of an impact, but there is always that risk just because you never know what's going to happen. Um, once they reach the majors, regardless of how, you know, of how good they look in the minor league system, because, you know, having draft, having a top 30 list is nice. Um, but that never projects out the way it's supposed to. I mean, you look at the Sox a couple years ago when Chavez um, was the top prospect, or even going mm-hmm. further back when um, Owens was supposed to be like the next John Lester. You know, it's fun to project these guys out, but there's always a little bit of risk because um, the future is unpredictable, especially in baseball. Yeah, uh, Tampa, Tampa has, has, I don't know how they do it, but Tampa has a way for when they make these trades, you know, they always get the higher end of the stick. Like they always get the the best value. And a lot of your trades always, you know, end up winning on that side. Uh, a couple years ago with the Pirates, you know, you, you got my personal opinion. You guys robbed them blind uh, over there. And the Pirates had no idea, you know, what the worth was. But Tampa got everything right on that trade. So what makes Tampa so good being able to do what other teams really can't do? I think it's just a credit to their player development. They really know how to target guys that other teams might undervalue. I mean, with the example of the Pirates trade, um, Baez was the prospect to be named later. And you look at it a couple years later, that – Baez would probably be a guy that most teams would not want to hold on to. He's, he would be the last prospect that you think would kind of just be a throw-in. Um, so as you're really just good about getting guys into their system and kind of look at them and be like, this is where your strengths are. We're going to maximize that. Um, and just getting guys that fit well into their system, especially pitching. Um, as we said, they're very good at identifying young pitchers to trade for. So when their guys do reach free agency and when they have to make a move, you can supplement them easily. I mean, we've seen it this year. Glasnow is one of their best pitchers. He's out right now hurt, and the rotation looks like it hasn't missed a beat. Yeah, exactly. So we play four games against Tampa. What's your prediction on Friday? What is – I'm going to say I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to go a 2-2 split. So – what are you saying after the series is over? I would say, I would say Rays win it three to one. I think the Fleming start that the Red Sox offense kind of knocks them around. Um, I think the McClanahan one's going to be a tough game. I could see them stealing the Eflin game, especially if Fleming doesn't go long and they kind of have to, um, you know, rely on that bullpen a lot in the first game. And then I think Springs. That's me another tough matchup for the Sox. Um, I could definitely see 2-2, two, two, but I would go Braves win 3-1 with kind of that Fleming start being where the Red Sox offense continues to do what it's done the last couple of days. Yeah. So, Jamie, I, I want to thank you for coming on. You know, thank you for taking some time out of your schedule. 
especially with it being Easter, especially, you know, you said you work today also. Uh, tell everybody where they can sit there and follow you. Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, my first name, so Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, and then Gatlin, G-A-T-L-I-N, 17, for Twitter. Uh, I'll post my race stuff from when I'm there for work, um, from Beyond the Monster stuff, if you want to check that out. And then I also do cover Rutgers Athletics for USA Today, so post some of my stuff on there. Um, I'm not as active on Instagram, but it's just my name for that one. So if you want to check out my stuff, a lot of it's on, a lot of it's on Twitter. Hey, Jamie, uh, I want to thank you for coming on again. Uh, anytime that we play the Rays, do you mind if I reach out to you? Yeah, love coming on. Always happy to come back. Okay, Jamie. Hey, thanks for coming on. Guys, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes. Uh, we've had a couple great interviews with Keith Folk. We had an interview with Cody Duncan about talking about the Pirates. Now I got Jamie's uh, interview on here. Uh, tomorrow or later this week, I have an interview with Joe Bradley of the VP for the Woo Sox. So that's one you're not going to want to miss. But guys, thanks for checking out the Pesky Podcast. See you next time.